Welcome. You're listening to A Certain Degree. One of Nick's oldest and only friends, Shai Galad, was in town from the nation's heartland, Northern Virginia, and stopped by the studio for an interview. This episode is brought to you by My Own Private Antelope. How can you be closer to the animals, in danger from the animals, without being in the enclosure with the animals? The answer is, we can't. My Own Private Antelope allows people to spend as much time as they want in a zoo. Hurry from the hippos, sidestep snakes, duck, the ducks. Finally, you can experience nature as nature intended and pay us handsomely for the experience. Is it dangerous? Maybe. Well, absolutely. Reserve your enclosure at toacertaindegree.com. Radiohead on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was two plus two equals five from their album, Hail to the Thief, I think is the name of it, which uh, may be appropriate, maybe not. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I am here as I am every week, and every week I have a special guest, and this week's special guest, Shy Galat, is here. Good morning, Shy. Good morning, Nick. Oh, I uh, should turn on your mic. Uh, let's try that again. Good morning, Nick. How you that doing? That is much better. I can hear you. You're coming through clearly. Uh, Shai Galad, one of my oldest documented friends. I try to document all my friends, and so uh, one of my oldest. You're not going to ask for my documents, are you? No, no, no. I already have all that. Okay, good. Yeah, I keep that okay. in a file. Uh, these days, with... you, you got to carry that stuff with you. Yeah, uh, it's all electronic these days, and then what happens, if anything happens to me, all of that stuff is released to the authorities. <laughs> That's how I feel like I keep safe. It's like Nikki Links. Yes, yeah. exactly. Nikki Leaks. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki that's something else entirely. That's a little problem I had in high school. Uh, so we're going to get to know you a little bit better. I know you fairly well, but you are. This is going to be super boring for you. A podcaster, mm -hmm. business coach slash consultant. Uh, you are a teacher at uh, uh, in the MBA program at Georgetown University, a professor over there. Uh, so there's a lot to you. There's a lot more to you than that, obviously. Uh, personally, we've known each other for a while. We met, uh, and the reason I played that Radiohead song, 2 plus 2 equals 5, uh, in a math lab, as a matter of fact. Uh, so you allowed me to help you with math, and we got to know each other a lot better. Yeah, well, I mean, um, math is something that was always challenging for me. And uh, I remember the first time that I met you in the math lab, what attracted me to you was your name tag, which said, hello, I'm the, my name is Nick, I'm the smartest one here. Yeah, I remember something about that. It was the, the math lab for me was one of the first spaces where I felt like I had complete control. Like I, I was a completely different person in the math lab than I was anywhere else in the world because I had that level of confidence. And I hope it wasn't. Did it come across as like really kind of um, jerky? Like never very. It was just confident, no, not right? not at all. It was confident, and it, there was actually a, a a sense of humor to it, which yeah. I was like, okay, I could deal with this. Like this guy <laughs> gets it, right? And this um, is someone who can teach me math. Yeah, and I mean, what was weird was like I I thought originally I thought like you just did that to meet women. Yeah, so I chose the wrong school then because at Embry Riddle. What was the ratio? 12 to 1? 12 men to every one woman? It was something like that. Yeah, there was, was not a lot yeah, of women there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so math is something that, you know, you kind of work through, and it, and it was just a language for you that, that you know, you It was very one of the ones in. that I yeah. got, yeah. Yeah, as opposed to women or most other things. Hence the <laughs> confidence in that particular math lab. 
So we're going to get to know you a little bit better. You may have heard this on past episodes, but we play a little game, 20 questions. Okay. But instead of up or down, yes or no, uh, we're going to play cloak or dagger. So cloak if you're for something, because cloaks are super cool. Okay. They're awesome. It's cold where you're from. You're from uh, near D.C. in the Virginia area. Yeah, almost in Nova. Virginia. Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Yeah. So it's pretty cold up there. So cloak would be good right cold. now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stylish. You can sneak around in them, from what I understand. Like yeah. you wear them and you look kind of dapper. Daggers are just tiny swords. Like I, if you're just going to go sword, go full sword. So yeah. That's why daggers are bad in this case. I was going to do a That's Not a Knife like uh, impression of Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yeah. Do, do that. You do that great accent. I right do. Here. I do. But then I realized that from a timeliness factor, many people would probably not even realize who that was. Oh, yeah. That's probably true. Yeah. Mm. So instead, I'll do a Yahoo Serious impression a little bit later. If great. Yeah, because everybody will know who that, that is. is. Yeah, that's a good yeah. choice. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Cloak or Dagger, iPhone X. iPhone X. Cloak or Dagger. Um... I mean, cloak, but yeah. maybe maybe like um, a consignment shop cloak, like not a not not a nice cloak, not a nice cloak, not a full on cloak. But if it gives me the opportunity to dagger my iPhone six, I I, I got it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look at it. All right. So, so the face recognition, the yeah, yeah uh, dagger, no button. That's a dagger. Oh, that's a dagger. The face rack is a dagger. You don't like that. It's just. I don't want to, I don't, I don't even recognize my face half the time. I don't need my phone to try to interpret, you know, how I'm feeling or. I don't know that it's interpreting, although that's a really good idea. Like it can not only in, like identify your face, but also interpret how you're feeling. And maybe like if it sees you're in a bad mood, maybe it puts some cat videos up there for you. Oh my God. That's, I mean, that's, that could be good for another segment of the show. Mm -hmm. We might talk about that. All I right. was thinking like, but I don't want my phone. Like what if your phone. So I guess it's going to unlock when it sees your face, yeah, right? Yeah. But what if it sees your face and it's like, ugh, you need more sleep. I, you know, I mean, will yeah, it, will yeah, it another, interact with you? Or? Yet another great idea. Like, it's not going to unlock. I don't want to. Like, I don't want it to unlock. I maybe that's what I. Maybe I need face coaching. Like, if the oh, phone could really like see my reflection, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, because yeah. that's like this metaphor for something. It's the mirror into your soul. It's the true mirror into your soul. Finally. Yeah, and then. I don't know if I want my phone judging me. Like okay. Yeah. So I feel like that's a dagger. Let's go dagger, I guess, okay. ultimately. Voicemail. Yeah. Dagger. Don't send them. Don't leave them for you. Don't send them. Don't leave them. Ever. Text or Ever. email If you point. leave voicemails, you're part of the problem. Yeah. What What problem? The overall problem of too much voicemail. Too much noise. Yeah. Too much noise in voicemail. Yeah. Okay. Where have you it. been, man? You don't see it's on the news all the time. Oh yeah, they do talk about it quite a bit. I'm, I'm I don't listen to constantly. The news. It's like Russia voicemail, a lot of voicemail hacking. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could see mm -hmm. that because that's what we want to know about, like celebrities, for example. We don't need their pictures. We want their voicemail. Yeah, you could learn a lot more from them. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, colonizing Mars, cloak or dagger? I mean, I gotta go dagger. Really. Yeah, I mean, did you see that movie with that guy and they left him up there and he, he had to, like, use poop to build his own plant or, you know, something to Potatoes eat? Potatoes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to ever do that. Technically, that's what we do here. It just seems like just a Just at a larger work. scale. Yeah, no, I get, I get it's that. It's less personal here. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have gone right to the potato thing, but I like, just... you don't know the name of the person pooping on your potatoes here on Earth. On Mars, you will. I know. And I feel like that's a little too intimate. 
Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. So no, so that's a dagger on colonizing Mars. Dagger. Specifically yeah. for, for Eliza poop. reasons. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about, this was pretty interesting, film critics. Film critics. Yeah. So do you go, do you listen to people when you're uh, looking at films? Do you read this stuff? So I don't, but I do like to critique things. Yeah. I'm pretty critical. So the reason mm-hmm. I wanted to bring this up is because the L.A. Times uh, was writing some stuff, some maybe controversial stuff about Disney and the tax breaks they get out in Anaheim. Mm. So Disney decided as retribution, which I found fascinating that they would even think about this, uh, to not allow the L.A. Times film critic to see early screenings of their films anymore. Just the L.A. Times. Ah, uh, selective uh, yeah. media so bashing. what yeah. was nice is the rest of the film critics, the Film Critics Association, decided they were going to protest by not going to any early uh, uh, screenings of any Disney films. So their their reviews would come in late and everything else. So what I liked about it was the, uh, the, the sense of community that they had, the way that they came together. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, I don't always agree with film critics. I don't always think that... Uh, you know, they have the, the last word on any movie. But I thought that was really cool. I think that's cool. I'll give them a cloak for that move. I think that um, the concept of of critique is, is kind of, uh, I like it because mostly when people are analyzing your work and judging your work, um, you don't get to know about it. They're just, they're just saying stuff about you anyway, right? Yeah. So it's kind of, I think it can be helpful for critics to do their job and, and put that out into the universe so that then we can critique what we if we agree or disagree with that. Right. But it, it's it's good for conversation. You know? Yeah, it helps. A little and bit I love to give that there's context. like solidarity like that. Yeah. Uh, and there's a part of me that's also at the same time thinking about like, how do you critique a, a Disney film? Like because there's they're mostly animated, right? And well, I think it was uh, Thor and all the Marvel movies. Oh they got yeah, they Star do that Wars stuff now too. And, yeah. Yeah, the live action ones. Yeah. So are you like, yeah, this plot seems a little like it's not real, really that believable. Like, I mean, how did did they take that into account? Oh, uh, when they said they're going to ban, I, I think that no, was no. The when only they thing. actually critique that kind oh, of a yeah. movie, are yeah. you like, yeah, this Thor thing, like guys got a hammer and stuff, and guys got a hammer. This is seems the same a little plot as the last one. If you're going, seems a little unrealistic. Then maybe you don't want to go to the Marvel movies and critique them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that could be an issue. Well, either way, I'm glad they took a stand. Yeah. I think it's good they did All right. that. Speaking of solidarity, uh, zombies, cloak or dagger? Ooh, um, so zombies, dagger. Okay. Zombie movies, cloak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So pop culture, you know. Did you that. ever see Zombievers? I did. I saw it at your house. Yeah. As a matter of fact. Well, it turns out it's, it's sort of a favorite um, mm-hmm. at our house. Yeah, so zombies are not just not just human zombies, but there could be animal zombies. Don't give the plot away. There could be don't, ghost don't, zombies. Yeah. There could be ghost zombies. Yeah, zombies. No ever thought of that? Gomb- isn't one zombies. of the, that, there's that uh, there's that baseball player, Gombi, isn't he? A, uh, he's a zombie, right? Derek Gombi. Yeah, yeah, yeah Derek Gombi. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, I think it. I think a lot of Super baseball scary. players are. Uh, so when you saw 28 Days Later, so you like the old Romero, Dawn of the Dead, like that sort of thing, scary movie, yeah, absolutely. zombie things. Yeah. Uh, 28 Days Later was the first one to introduce the running zombies. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. How much did that freak you out? A lot. Yeah. Because one of the things that you have to think about, like when you think about zombie apocalypse, 
As we all do. Constantly, right? Yeah. So what is what is the one thing you know you can rely on? Or you if, thought you could rely yeah, on? Yeah, if they're ambling, I could probably... They yeah. ambled. That's what zombies, yeah. that's how I they get around. jog and not get exhausted. Exactly, yeah. right? So the concept of them running, it was like when I found out that spiders jump. Oh. That also bummed me out. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. I'm still not over that. Yeah. yeah. I can it's see terrible. Very few spiders here in Florida. Oh, yeah. Thanks right. For, thanks for coming down from Virginia, by the way. <laughs> uh, taking your phone in the bathroom, cloak or dagger? Um... Cloak. Yep. Next question. Okay. Very good. Coffee, cloak, or dagger? Cloak. <laughs> that was an easy one. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like you set me up there. Yeah. Bit. How uh, how long have you been drinking coffee? Um, this morning. Yeah. How long have you been <laughs> drinking this morning uh, and then your entire life? Only from like, I only have coffee from like 6 a.m. till noon. That's it. Right. Except like in the afternoon sometimes. And then, but never like in the evening. I'm not one of those people. One of what people? People that, that drink coffee drink in the coffee evening. In the yeah, evening. I mean, it's. Are there a lot of them? Um, my mom kind of does that. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like after dessert. Know. Yeah, she'll just have like coffee, like coffee straight up with dessert is pretty good. It's delicious, but then she just goes right to bed or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. it doesn't affect you. Anymore, it could be apparently. hereditary. Yeah, um, I've been drinking coffee a long time. So when I was a kid. We used to walk to school, you know, that whole uphill, downhill, both ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was actually downhill on the way and then uphill on the way home, which was awful. But it was so really cold. you needed cold. a coffee on the way back? Yeah, I could have used one on the way back. But I um, I grew up, as you know, in upstate New York mm -hmm. where it's pretty – well, you're basically kind of upstate New Yorkish. I was born in Montreal and I moved down Counts. when I was a month old. So in vogue now to be Canadian. It we is, used to tool on you all the time, and now everybody like envies your Canadianness. I I think that it was just a long time coming. I invested in that early, and you I did. said I am going full Canadian. You did. Uh, I do sometimes reference the Greek, of course, as well. Sure. So I'm hoping that comes in vogue because there was a small window when uh, I almost said Fifty Shades of Grey, but it was a uh, uh, big fat Greek 50 wedding. Fifty Shades of Wedding. 50 yeah, shades I remember of Greek that wedding. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, so. I like that. Um, that woman, that uh, Vala Darsononis. Via Nia Vardalis. Nia Varsadona. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's Valdosta. a very talented uh, writer. And yeah. those films are really kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, so I grew up, it was super cold up there and had to walk to school in the morning uh, from when we were little kids, you know, and it was so cold. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, started with hot chocolate, but that's like a gateway Into drink. coffee. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Yeah. And then... Um, Probably from too young an age, I started drinking coffee, and then eventually um, I stopped going to school because it was it was too cold. Yeah, no, you I know? can see that. So, and then just drinking coffee. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So let me ask you about this. We um, uh, Florida has a, I think it's down in Lake County, is going to have a test track for driverless cars. So mm. we're going in this direction a okay. lot more. Cloak or dagger, driverless cars. Hmm. I'm going cloak. You're in for it. I'm totally in for driverless cars. Okay. Yeah. And why is that? Um, well, I don't have to worry about spilling my coffee. Correct. Right? Yep. Um, you don't have to worry about text and driving. Don't have to worry about text and driving. Or leaving voicemails. Or leaving voicemails. I, um, and I think I can, uh, that, that will become quality time. You can do other stuff. So, like, you know, public transit, basically, but on yeah. your own, you can still take over. You can still go exactly where you want. I don't, I don't want to take over. 
I just want the thing to drive me around and like whatever. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Oh, all right. I mean, just like with public transportation, like I don't yeah. ever really want to take over like the train or whatever. Oh, I do. You do? Yeah. I For the like... purpose of driving it, or do you want to like take it over? Oh, I just want to and then the like try to leverage your power. Y- yes, but mainly the hat. I assume they still wear hats when they're train operators. Man, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Because those are some really, really nice hats. Okay. The uh, oh, the Tianyang One space station. Uh, and the reason I'm asking about it is, is because it's going to be crashing into the Earth uh, late this year, early next year. Those mm. China's sort of test space station. Mm-hmm. Um, it's small, so Skylab was much bigger. If you remember Skylab crashing to the Earth back in the 70s, uh, but we don't know where it's going to land. So, mm. how do you feel about sort of this eight and a half ton projectile coming down on the planet at some point in the near future? Cloak or dagger? Wow. Right, I, like, I get deep on these things. I know. I mean, I see that, right? Yeah. I mean, we yeah. were just talking about coffee, and now we're talking yeah. about space station. So I think that, like, um, it's weird that I have mixed emotions about this, right? Because on some level, you should be like, well, dagger, like, I don't want the thing to hurt. Falling. I, yeah, yeah, really. I, so let me just put that right out there. I, You know, if there's, I don't know if you have children listening to the show. Like, I don't want. Children are a big demographic for me. Huge, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't want them to be crushed and mutilated by a satellite that crashes in or a space station that sure. crashes on yep. top of them right that would be terrifying for them to think about like i don't want them thinking about that yeah, now they if they're listening think about don't anything. think about that it probably I mean, won't that's happen just space stations like there's literally millions of other things that yeah. can crash into and hurt them in some way yeah so but yeah. i i do um actually i'm gonna stay with dagger and the other reason why i kind of want to dagger this is a the children it's for the children right, right. we've covered that. everything is everything is and then uh b i'm gonna dagger it because there will be non-stop media coverage about it and then ultimately it'll just burn up in the atmosphere and everybody will be fine oh yeah yeah where's it gonna land right and they're gonna convince yeah. all of those poor kids that like they're in danger and they're not. Young, they're we should just go ahead and create some graphics and some music for it though for the news station i love that yeah, yeah let's do that okay a little jingle it's uh maybe Tien, in the next bit we can we'll work Tien on that young yeah crashing down this is the song Tian Yong one because it's actually Tian Yong one. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm also not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. It's so. catchy though. Yeah, it's it really is, it is catchy. It is it does, I'm gonna do jingles. There's from something to that that music. You should really stay with that. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's think about that. Uh, cinematic universes, cloak or dagger. So of course by that I mean the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So mm-hmm. Star Wars actually they just announced that uh, the guy who's directing this next Star trilogy Wars. movie mm-hmm. is going to create a new trilogy about not about the Skywalker clan. Okay, going to be completely because I'm super over them. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Done with Skywalker. Yeah, I mean look, you know, I mean, so generally speaking, cloak. Mm-hmm. I love sci-fi. Obviously, Star Wars had a huge impact on my life. I was, you know, one of the children when it came out. Yeah. And um, and I love Star Wars. But, you know, after the, like, the OG trilogy, you know, Empire. That, Return of the Jedi. The New Hope. Yeah. Turn of the Jedi. That, those, not in that order, but whatever. Yeah, um, you're doing some sort of machete order right there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so... Um, that was huge, life-changing, still relevant, sort of. I probably talk about it more than I should. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 
it's hard, you know, it's hard to find that right combination of story, actors, music, um, and producers, right, and directors. The magic, and, basically. Yeah, the, to put all that stuff to, and yeah. make it actually work without yeah. it being like really campy and or formulaic and, or formulaic and ultimate, which ultimately, if that's what you aspire to. You know, that you get into dagger territory. Yeah. But I'm going to go cloak because sci-fi is just, it means too much to me, and I want to see people continue to try. And Marvel and all of those other cinematic Yeah, comic book things, why not? Go yeah. for it. I okay. mean, it's better than just the same, you know, boy meets girl, whatever story. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just in space. Yeah. Yeah. As we all are sometimes. All right. Cursive. States are starting dagger. to require to get... Da okay. Stagger. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm -hmm. That was... No. Handwriting is um, painful for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen your handwriting. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't even... Right. I still don't know how to do cursive, and I want to... I want to... I, I feel like it's a, a public courtesy that I say this, because some of your listeners are probably parents as well. And Big I want demographic. You know, huge demographic. It's probably second only to your children yeah. demographic. Yeah, yeah. And so when I was in school, they made us write in cursive. Mm -hmm. And I really couldn't do it that well. And so I would turn in my papers in like the other kind of writing. What do you call that? Like regular Free, writing? Freehand? Scripting? No. Script writing? Uh, Were you writing letter scripts? Lettering? What is like when you just like write the letters like they're supposed to actually look? Just normal writing. Yes. Okay. So I would just turn mine in in writing. Mm -hmm. And they would take points off because it wasn't in cursive. Oh, and so finally I'm just like, really... I'll just, that's fine. I'll accept that you do what you need to do. I'm going to do what I need to do. So everyone was doing what they needed to do. I don't like the sound of that at all. <laughs> all right. Very that's good. why. So that's dagger. Okay. Yeah, dagger. Sandwiches. Sandwiches cloak. What's your favorite sandwich to make for yourself? And what's your favorite sandwich to have made for you? Oh my gosh, that is a tricky question. Yeah. I don't actually make myself a whole lot of sandwiches. Right. Um, in fact, I almost exclusively have them made for me. Okay. I know I'm a little fancy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, do you eat the sandwich with your pinkies sticking out? No, definitely not. I'm, okay. a, I'm just a regular kind of. Just slightly fancy. Yeah, I mean, I like, I'm a, I, yeah, I, I'm a two hander on the, you know, I, I need both hands to eat a sandwich. I mean, you got to hold all the stuff. Sure. In. Like, sure, I like sure, a sure. big sandwich. Yeah. And it's got, it's got to be. You know what helps with that is bread. I know. And so, so I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what's dagger for me is the war against bread. Oh yeah. So the whole lettuce wrappy thing or just eating. The yeah. Stuff I mean, and look, I'll eat a lettuce wrap. Like it's fine. I'll, lettuce, like I don't, I don't have any animosity towards lettuce. Lettuce gets a cloak. Okay. You know, it's cloakish. Depending kale, on the context. Kale, different story. Okay. Kale is a different story. That's dagger. I feel like kale and cursive. Kale and cursive are basically they have they share a lot of common letters, dude. Yeah. They're almost the same word. Yeah, yeah, and they both they both uh, represent bad bad things. But the best kind of sandwich is a pastrami and cheese, ideally like a hot pastrami and cheese, mm -hmm. you know. And if you can get those, I I think I have like some memories. I think I have memories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do, though. I really okay. think these yeah, are memories as opposed to something I just saw, like, in a movie or something. Perfect. Um, but, yeah, I think I have memories as a child of having, like, my first, like, giant deli sandwich in New York City with my dad. You know, so I have these great associations uh, with yeah. it. But, that, um, but yeah, hot pastrami is still uh, 
it's still pretty money. Hold up. So we may have to go to Beefy King right after this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cloak. I was thinking some healthy food today after yesterday, but that'll probably not happen. Uh, So you did come down. You are from upstate New York. You did come down and live in Florida for a while. That's how we met. Well, that's, yeah. And if you're born in New York, eventually you have to come to Florida. Florida Yeah, it's kind of. For some amount of years. It's true. Uh, So how do you feel about the beach? Cloak or dagger? So I am um, all about the cloak on the beach. Yeah. Cloak the beach. I cloak the beach because you know what? The beach is like, um, it's just peaceful. You know, you get okay. the water, there's sand, you know, you, it's usually sunny out. and So you like to go to the beach? Yes. You like to go in the water? I mean, the water is, I could take it or leave it, but I like to look at the water. Okay. Yeah. Right. I like to Very sit good. on the beach and look at the water. I like to ask, I like to get to, because I used to just ask that and then kind of move on, but now what I've noticed is people actually don't like the beach, and but they'll say they do. Oh, I like the I like the concept of the beach is what it turns out. Oh to be. yeah, I got I'm like, it. No, then you don't like like the beach. beach is like a metaphor, but not as like a yeah, or is a yeah. place that I know is there because you know it's we need tourism, I guess, in Florida. How do you? I mean, so you kind of grew up on the beach, right? Yeah, I could, I no interest in going to the beach. Really? Yeah, it's sandy. It's difficult. It takes a lot of work to get in and out of there. Uh, there are, you know, from what I understand, there are sharks. But what about like being at the beach, like being there, not the going and, and the other stuff, not the administration just, of yeah, the beach. So if I could just transport to the beach and then transport directly into a non-public shower after the beach. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Then, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So if we could work on our transporter, uh, not the movie, not okay. Jason Statham. But our actual Beach transporter transport. technology. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe huh. it's some sort of custom, like, party beach bus. So you go right back on and you get out of the beach. Okay. Yeah, okay. we'll work on that. All I right. like that. All right. It's fair. Uh, tiny houses. Hmm. 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 So I, I'm going to go cloak. That's a that's kind of a questiony cloak. It's a it's a question cloak. Okay. I think that that the as uh, long as it's not an invisibility cloak, it's not. So I like the idea of a tiny house <laughs> because in a tiny house, I feel like there's not a lot of room for extra stuff. So it forces you to simplify. Yes. So I like I like that in theory. Yeah. But you have all that stuff. I'm not sure what I do with my stuff, you know, yeah. but I wouldn't mind getting rid of some stuff. So I feel like one way to do that is to get a tiny house. So I feel like minimalism is more what you're looking for and tiny house is. So I think about minim- minimalism in the same way that you described the way people thinking about the beach, right? Like yeah. I love the idea of it. Sure. I don't know how well I'd operate in that construct, but right. but it's something to aspire to. Okay. Yeah. And one last question. Uh, this is the dessert, not the person. Cobbler, cloak, or dagger? Mm, dagger. No, on cobbler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pie? Not a pie guy either? I'm not or are a you big a- pie guy. Like, I, I do, I mean, that remarkable bakery that we were at. The buttermilk bakery. I would eat anything that comes out of there. I and mean, we tried. I mean, we yeah. ate pretty yeah, much everything they have. a lot of stuff. Yeah, so, like, that that place, I, I feel like it's a carve out of this discussion because that is full cloak. Okay. Um, so my issue is with like fruit inside of th- like baked in fruits. Mm-hmm. I don't 
that's just like not warm a thing fruit? from yeah i don't like warm fruit oh, i like okay. i like my fruit like you know chill chill yeah yeah or sorbet which is also pretty cold or sorbet yeah ish yeah sort of my thing i i really really dagger is when they try to put fruit inside of like chocolate cake oh yeah that could be if you want chocolate cake if you're craving chocolate cake you don't want any fruit in there it's a great example of like when something is awesome adding more stuff to it doesn't make it better you know right, right. except for sitcoms like when you add a baby to a sitcom yeah yeah that helps sometimes yeah yeah i know i could see that yeah yeah all right well on that note we're gonna go add some babies to some sitcoms I'm not sure what that's a euphemism for. And listen to some music. Why don't we do some uh, The War on Drugs? Yeah. No, I'm asking for your permission. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Uh, this Fight will on. be Come to the City on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. The War on Drugs on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. That sounds fun when I say it like that. The War on Drugs on WPRK. Huh. Come to the City was the name of the song from their album Slave Ambient, 2011's Slave Ambient. Good morning. My name is Nick. Uh, as I mentioned, you're listening to a certain degree. I do this every Monday. Very, very special guest and old friend, uh, Shai Galad is here. Good morning again, Shai. Hey, Nick. Good to be back. I am overdue on doing a tribute to uh, a man who was a big influence on me. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that real quick. Uh, Robert Guillaume passed away a few weeks ago. And so one of the things I remember uh, being influenced by him by or about is comedy and sarcasm specifically. Like I really looked to him as part of Benson on that the show by the same name and then um, – the one that they did before it was it soap that he was on. I think was it still, was. Yeah, yeah, you're going back, but I yeah. think it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. just like listening to him and how mean he was. Like looking back at it with a little bit more of a critical eye, he was mean. But what I saw as a kid was he was funny. Like he was getting <laughs>, laughs, right. and the other people weren't crying or getting mad at him or any of that. He was just getting laughs. So I feel like from a humor perspective, that was one of the places where I got some of mine and eventually I had to learn to kind of taper it off just slightly. Uh, so the How's reason, that going, by the way? Not well. Yeah. Not well at all. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people who, you know, don't know that I'm kidding when I'm really mean to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge with being really mean. Yeah. Sometimes people get like offended. I mean, really stuff. funny is what you mean. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. But the reason I wanted to bring that up is because in your role as, and I wanted to talk a little bit about your background uh, okay. and how you got here. So business consultant, business coach, uh, professor at, uh, at Georgetown. Uh, when you bring in humor, I think that's a big component of how you communicate. And I think that's why you and I are such good friends. How did you find your voice in terms of helping people with their businesses? How did you find your voice or how did it translate over for you? Because you did a lot of other stuff, right? You were a, you were a musician, yeah. you were a pilot, I mean, you it's... managed a company. Uh, so, so it's... where did that come from? And how do you how, how do you manage that not being too sarcastic or not being too uh, funny or balancing the humor out? Yeah, those are good questions. I think you know. So, like you, really inspired by humor from the youngest age, right? And I think that. For me, it was Saturday Night Live. It was the original Saturday Night Live yeah. crew. And um, 
you know, and that was always something where I would try to stay up late to watch, and we weren't really supposed to watch it because we were too young, you right. know. And um, so because it seemed taboo, it was even yeah, more. It was prized. even more enticing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, it was, you know. And then, um, and then I think, as you know, you know, I lost my father at a young age. And comedy was one of those things that was there for me in the same way that music was, in the mm -hmm. same way that books were, and and those were things that uh, made me feel better, you know. So, um, so yeah, I would try that on. And also, as someone that was not particularly gifted athletically, I know it's hard to believe you. You, I mean, your listeners can't see me, but obviously, oh, I look at you. I, I say, you know, it's sort of a, a lithe uh, stature and. Yeah, you're not. I athletic. get that. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. not. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, not athletic, but um, so but humor was this thing I could kind of do. I can make people laugh, and um, and yeah, you're right. Sometimes it does have a little bit of an edge to it, um, and I think that's where a lot of good art comes from, right? It, it's from uh, seeing things from a different perspective and maybe poking holes in things because that, that's what good art and good. We were talking about critics earlier, right? It's commentary, um. Uh, challenges different points of view, and I think that's something I always really like too, because because comedians will reflect what's happening, and they'll say the things that a lot of us are thinking or a mm -hmm. lot of us are questioning, and um, and it brings things out and gets people to try to really think about I think their belief systems, and so I still I still love that, really appreciate that, and um, yeah, my life had a lot of different paths. You know, I did I played in rock bands since I was a kid, and one of the things I really didn't realize that seems really obvious to me now is is what good training that was for someone just really good life training but but also for anyone that had to learn about like how to work with people mm -hmm. and how to bring your ideas forward and communicate that which is really what what starting a business is all about and trying to run a business about, right right so i think for entrepreneurs um they're creators right they they see something that isn't there yet and then they try to figure out how to bring that thing into the world and you know so, sometimes for profit sometimes for social change uh, sometimes just because they want to create. And um, so I learned a lot of those early skills in writing and then how to manage different personality types, how to negotiate contracts, um, how to get along and how to communicate those ideas. I learned a lot about target, you know, how, how, what's your target market? You know, how, How's your audience reacting to your, to what you're putting out there? And how do you find the people that might care about what you're doing? So that was a really great experience. Um, I, I came. Think, go ahead. I was just going to ask. Like, I, I think the humor part of it too is you're not taking yourself. I think because you're grounded in that, you're not taking yourself so seriously. Because I think it's easy to look at. You know, you think of business books and how many there are out there, and the, uh, basically, I, I, on some level, a lot of them are saying the same things. It's sure. just the voice that they're delivering it in. Yeah. So yours is a little more accessible because you're not taking yourself so seriously about it, and you bring a sense of humor to it. Well, I mean, I, I hope so. I think that, you know, Nick, you, you'd asked me about sort of the evolution of, of what I do now and, and, um, and about how you, how you sort of manage that humor as, as a part of that, where mm -hmm. that ingredient comes in. And I like to think that um, the use of humor in certain situations uh, can, uh, can, be a form of communication that is relatable, mm -hmm. right? And breaks down those kinds of barriers. Right. Uh, and then, but there was something I really had to get over that I'm still working on <laughs> and I work on all the time. And that is the need to be funny, right. right? Because there is something to ego with that where, you know, you want that rush of making people laugh. Yeah. 
And where that caused me a lot of problems professionally from time to time, and and it's something again, like I said, I constantly have to work on. Is sometimes I feel like it's almost like humor Tourette's, where yeah, you, you can't just help, but you want to just something. blurt stuff yeah. out all the yeah. time because it's so obvious that there's something unusual going on in the room, right. and you kind of just want to be like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, see that? look at the you know, or that <laughs> or or that ridiculous thing that somebody just said, and you just you can't not try to express the counterpoint to what they just said. Sure. Um, and so, and sometimes that's good because sometimes it'll you know diffuse a situation or something along those lines. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes but it can derail. Well, it's there's a balance, right? Yeah. And what I found is, especially if you're in, in you know, so, sometimes uh, in higher ed, you know, it can be pretty buttoned, buttoned up culture. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you get known as like the funny person, you're not taken very seriously. Right. So I think there's a balance there, and and trying to figure out the ways to relate to people. Maybe make them laugh, tell stories that are memorable. I think where it works for me is I think when um, I try to bring in different cases that have an element of humor or irony to the way the situation turned out. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be really fun also because it makes it more interesting of a story to discuss. Right. So when you saw yourself like years ago, did you, I guess the, the question is, did you ever think you'd be here right now? And how did this come about for you? Because I think yeah. that, you know, um, your passions change over time. I think that's one thing that we always confuse, especially when it comes to college and stuff, is that, you know, you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life. And I, I don't know. There's some people who can do that and who want to do that, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think that the that the issue with it is that we confuse this notion of passion with vocation. And so, you know, I could think about being young and wanting to be a rock star or wanting to be a pilot or, you know, wanting to be anything, you know, a race car driver or whatever. Um, but it really, there, you, you uh, frequently we don't go to that next level. Like mm-hmm. why? What is it about that? What is it about that? So when I look at what I do now, Um, I see a lot of elements, you know, again, when I look over my shoulder now, I see a lot of elements in the things that I did before that sort of inform what I'm doing now. And in a way, there are some really common threads there. I've I've always um, gotten a lot of energy out of interacting with people. Uh, I've always liked helping people, which I think most of us human beings really like to do that Mm -hmm. at some level. Um, And um, and I love to learn new things. Uh, just as I love to learn how to try to play music and um, I, l- I love to learn about new things. And part of the way that you can really learn something is is by teaching, teaching it. it. Yeah. yeah, it makes you better at it. And so that need to communicate and really like even in the classroom is a form of being on stage, right? You're still performing. Um, it's a although, bit of an ego rush. It's, yeah, well, you know, yeah. people are listening to you. Yeah, and the thing about it is like, like, and this is where I think it's also sort of getting over yourself a little bit, right? So... So what I find about being in the classroom that I really love is that um, you can do that in a way. My the style I like is is sort of like a facilitating style. So I like to be like, here's the content. Let's talk about it. You know, let's let's discuss that and see how that works. So I really love doing you know case study method of mm-hmm. teaching because you're collaborating and you're creating this content together. Um, but as a teacher or, or as a, you know, I, I guess I see myself as sort of a director and I love directing that activity and creating that space. And when it happens, 
and people are like, that was really awesome or, you know, you, you helped the student in some way and they, they tell you that that's a rush and it feels great, you know. There's a lot of satisfaction there. Yeah. What about working with a, a business? So you're... So, <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, yeah, so I, you know, I did go on, you know, started out, you know, playing in rock bands, uh, did that for a while, then went back to school where we met and learned how to fly airplanes because my dad was an airline pilot. So I guess that was the another thing I aspired to do. And mm-hmm. then I ended up doing that and I worked for the airlines for, it's in the airline industry almost a decade. And then I made this classic mistake that um, almost every entrepreneur makes, which is I thought that because I knew so much about operating airplanes and sidebar, I should say that, you know, I was a trainer. So that teaching element was coming out there. I was doing a lot of classroom. I did leadership development training for pilots and for flight attendants. And um, I was very involved in, in sort of management and training human factors um, so I really had a love of that. I was always trying to learn new things and share that there. And I think that informs a lot of what I do now. But I, you know, and thinking about the transition of that, I got this idea and I was always experimenting with bad business ideas. Sure. <laughs> and uh, so a couple of buddies that I worked with really wanted to start a private aviation company. And so the fatal flaw was thinking that just because I know how an airline operates, that I now know how to run a or company run a business. that yeah. does that, yeah. right? So, um but we did. We did the thing. You know, we just went for it. And and that's what people do that don't know any better. And so I found myself. In fact, a f- it's better sometimes that you don't because all of the self-doubt and the all these things that you see as roadblocks might have held you back. It's really, you know, there really is something to that. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important in teaching entrepreneurship and innovation, which is is what I spend a lot of time doing now. Yeah. To hold that point of view and not dismiss that point of view. Right. So lesson one. Ignorance is bliss. Well, it can be, right? But, but we, <laughs> which seems a Don't little, let me guess lecture. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Yeah, that, that would be an interesting point of view to start the course, right? <laughs> Any questions? Any questions? So, um, yeah, no, but I, but I mean, I think there has to be a balance. So we jumped and we tried to do this thing. But what mm-hmm. I found out is that pretty quickly, um, we didn't know what we were doing. And we were just working really hard. And I found myself studying like crazy to try to learn more about how to All do the things. things we needed to do. And I was deficient. And um, I went back to school to get an MBA because what I realized was I was having conversations, you know, that whole fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. So we were trying to sell. So we were operating private jets and we were trying to sell management services for that. So if you were... Um, a wealthy individual or a uh, corporation and you needed private aviation services, we would manage that. We would be your outsourced flight department. So as you might imagine, I'm talking to CFOs of these big companies um, and wealth managers, and they're using language that no I don't idea. really understand. Yeah. You know, I'm, so I'm going home and I'm on like Investopedia looking up like they're like, um, you know, well, what is the tax effect of this and the discount rate and all this thing? And what if we, and, and, and I'm just going, oh, yeah, that's, oh, absolutely, tax effect. Yeah, we, we need to look at that. You we'll, know? We'll, I'll get back to I'll you get on right that back. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, you know, oh, tax, yeah, we talk about that all the time, you know. And then I go home and I'm, like, looking it up and, like, trying to figure out what the answer is. And I'm like, this this isn't going to do it. I also realized that I, I hated having those knowledge gaps. I wanted to learn. I'm like, I, yeah. this is actually something I'd like to know more about. Well, and when you're when you have that level of passion about it, and it's something that is on some level satisfying because it's yours, right? Yeah. Like it's something you're doing. I look at that as a passion. It's a passion project for you. 
Absolutely. Versus something that, you know, it, it wasn't a job in your mind. That's exactly right. And, yeah. and there was that challenge of that, right? Like I had everything at stake. So I, but I went back to school and it was an incredible experience and I filled those knowledge gaps, but I also really fell in love with being in that learning environment mm -hmm. again. And, um, and so I, I was able to, the other thing that happened to me is I also got some business coaching mm -hmm. and I got some help understanding how to lead the business better and realizing that I was, you know, a lot of my habits, good or bad, um, especially the bad ones though, <laughs> were, were really the root of almost all the problems that were in the business. In the and it just shows up yeah. everywhere, right? Yeah. It just shows up everywhere as it does in life. So well, it's a lot of discipline, right? Like to run a business, just to take that into account, like you want to have, you have this idea in your head, how fun it could be maybe, um, or how, uh, you know, credible you'll be, how amazing it'll be to do this. And it'll be so easy because yeah. you're easygoing. You'll be able to work with people. But yeah. without those rules and without that discipline and without sometimes a certain distance from you and those other people, yeah, um, it's going to be really hard. Yeah, exa that's exactly it, right? So again, like the classic thing, like one of the, that you just brought up makes me think about how like, I was like, well, I want to build a place where I would want to go to work every day. Right, right, right. Right, so... So yeah, and that when you're small, that works really well, right? Because you yeah, have like this little clubhouse yeah. <laughs> environment and everybody's happy and hey, it's cool if I go, you know, to my kid's soccer game Friday. Yeah, of course. Have a great time. See you later, you know. And then um you have a little bit of success and you start to grow and all of a sudden it just stops working, like almost entirely. Mm -hmm. And then your happy little place is now a very frustrating place. And people want to know about their health care and, and other things that that you haven't really contemplated, you know, and so, so you go through all these challenges of growth and, um, and so we did that and I learned that by battle and I spent a decade growing that business and, you know, we, we grew it worldwide charter operations. We had over 50 employees, you know, over 10 million in revenue and, um, and experienced, uh, those successes, but, you know, went through a few different acquisitions, sold off different lines of businesses that weren't working. Um, and along the way, uh, as I became more fluent and experienced in how to do that um, and had some successes, other people would reach out to me in the community, in the business community yeah. for help. And I was able to help them. And I got a lot of satisfaction out of that. And I, I was, I realized that that, that love for teaching, for helping um, was a passion that was bigger than this aviation business in and of itself. And um, so I still lead that aviation company. I'm the managing partner. We have a great team there that runs it every day. Um, and I'm very proud of what that company's accomplished. I think we do great things there. Uh, and as part of that, it's really allowed me to spend more time now helping other business owners and more time in the classroom helping aspiring That's entrepreneurs, true. you know, and, and sort of learning, hey, look, here, here are the kinds of mistakes that show up and they showed up for me and they show up again and again in all these kinds of businesses. Here's some things you can do to, to maybe make that journey a little easier for you. Well, I think that's important because when you're in the classroom, you know, there's this kind of stereotype or cliche of the ivory tower, right? Like there's this person with all this theory, but no practice. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about the MBA program that I did, I'm sure you found the same thing, was that you have faculty there that, yeah, they might be a little theory-based, but a lot of them are consulting on the side. So a lot of them have that real-world application and knowledge yeah. that you can actually gain from and do some things with and apply, you know, immediately. 
Yeah, I think that the the balance between having really strong uh, facu- faculty, you know, with very strong academic background, uh, bringing those things to the classroom, and then the richness of having practitioners like myself also come in as adjuncts and bring those experiences um, are what really make that kind of experience transformative mm-hmm. for people because you can because not everybody relates to the same way of learning or the same right. style or the same yeah. backgrounds you know uh but it, it offers i think more for everyone all right so let's leave it at that we got a lot more to cover uh in the next hour the first hour is already up we've got bad business ideas coming up oh great my favorite uh we have it's a it's a big date big anniversary so i have a pop quiz about a movie that came out on this date 22 years ago that we may have seen okay Together. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to talk about uh, Business Owners Radio. That's okay. your podcast. Yep. So we need to go over that as well. But right now, let's play some music. Why not? Because it is radio and it is the morning. Is Are those two reasons to play music? Always. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, so let's hear a little bit of Jay Riotard. Uh, there is no sun on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Leanne LaHavis on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. What You Don't Do from her album, Blood. And that's a perfect song to segue into our next segment. Segue into a segment? I'm not sure if that works out. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to Certain Degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I'm here with a very special guest, Shai Galad. Good morning. Good morning, Shai. So uh, business coach, business consultant, business professor, Business owner, uh, business employee in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you give people the business. I, yep. Yep. And so uh, then I think you're going to be perfect for this next segment. Uh, and we have a song for it. Bad business ideas. It's time to be just one. It's going to be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. Yes, bad business ideas. You take the good, you take the bad, you take out the good, and there you have bad business ideas. Yeah. That's how it works. So, hotshot business coach here. I mean, you are. Nice to meet you, sir. No, no, not me. (laughs) Oh. Not me. So, for today's episode, what I thought would be fun to do is come up with some of the loser bad business ideas from past episodes and see what you could do with them. Okay. See if you could transform them. See if you can maybe think of a way that we could do them a little more effectively and make them... Even worse. Even worse or better. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what makes for a loser bad business idea and how to improve it. So I don't know where we'll go with that. Shai, have you ever acted in a passive-aggressive manner? I'm not going to answer that. Okay, great. Because it takes a lot of energy, right? Like remembering who you're mad at and remembering how to, you you have to needle them in certain ways and not just confront them and say, hey, I have a problem with this. Uh, Well, what if we had a new app to take all that energy out of that and then the app would do the work for you? Well, first of all, any new app is, you know, right away, that's great gold yeah because yeah. there's not enough out there it's too small too small a marketplace well yeah. let me tell you about tra- wide open track and ruin 
So the issue that I have with most apps is because they, they stay sort of condensed in their own little area. You open the app and it just interacts with that one app. Mm-hmm. Where track and ruin is a little bit different is let's say you have wronged me in some way. You took my parking space. You left your toenail clippings on my desk. Something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. Something that doesn't necessarily require HR to get involved. And you don't want to escalate it. Right. 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 Uh, maybe. Uh, but you do want to do something. You do about want to it. do something. So it's what offensive. you do is you you already have that person in your contact, uh, you know, book or in your contact area on your phone. Mm-hmm. So you mark it down through track and ruin. And so now when that person posts to Facebook or Instagram, uh, you can't like their stuff anymore. Uh, because that has been taken away. So you might forget that you're mad at them. Oh, so it reminds you, you not to like, or just like, blocks. It's it blocks like, like a blocker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they message you, and you have a timer before you can message them back. So, for example, hey, I really need this. Can you help me out? I'm locked out of my house. Yeah. You have my only extra key. You can't, can't even message them, them back for mm-hmm. three days. Mm-hmm. So Track and Ruin handles that. They call and leave a voicemail. It's deleted automatically, which may just be a good feature regardless because yeah. who likes voicemail? Well, you know how I feel about voicemail. I am, my understanding like is that nobody likes voicemail. Yeah. So that's the idea uh, behind track and ruin. Your retribution is our business is a potential tagline for that one. I got, I got to tell you, I like the tagline. Right. And yeah. I'm mostly about the taglines. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like... Uh, one of those old Van Damme movies or something like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Maximum Retribution. Yes. Max on your phone. Yes. I wonder if he could endorse that. Like, I, I'm pretty sure we could get him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be a problem. So Track and Ruin, what do you think about that in general? Now, obviously, being petty and passive aggressive is something that we all do. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's a market there. You don't have to admit you have it on your phone, so I think people just download it regardless. So let me tell you, what this comes up a lot, right? So one of the things being petty and passive aggressive, absolutely, okay, yeah, yeah, constantly. Um, and or conflict well, resolution. No, that comes up not as much. Yeah, 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 not as Nobody much. Nobody likes that. No, it's just this. You know, I I get to hear. I'm I'm in the very fortunate position where I hear. You know, maybe a few dozen really bad business ideas a week, you know? And so, and... How many of those are your own? Oh, the ones just in my own head are... That's a lot. That doesn't even count those. Yeah, yeah, those those happen all the time. Yeah, great. Yeah. And most of them start with, I have this app or this idea for an app that does something, some kind of thing. What I like about this particularly bad idea is it starts with a problem, you know, that you're trying to solve. And this is really where we try to direct people with their ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you what you want to think about is, you know, understanding this group of users, this this passive aggressive group of people, which, as far as I know, are all people. It seems like that encompasses a lot of people, yeah. right? And then it's it, a big target demographic for this show. So we, yeah, we like want a lot of listeners, a lot of passive aggressive. Yeah, yeah, I think well, people listen to college radio are definitely passive aggressive. Yeah, that's right? a good point. So just in general. Which is great because that means we have a channel to reach them. So we've actually knocked out two things. We great. know Perfect. that most of these, our users, are potentially passive-aggressive. Yep. And There's a need. It's solved. There's a need. And now the question is, are they are they underserved? And we know how to reach them. But are they underserved? Like oh, how that's how? A good point. Yeah, because the question you always have to ask yourself is, okay, how are they 
expressing or not their passive-aggressive right. ways now. I would imagine through emojis and bitmojis. But if they've had this specific pain where they've forgot, right? Because that's to me is the pain point. Is like, yeah, I'm, I'm almost act. I don't want to be actively passive aggressive because then I'd just be actively aggressive or otherwise known as just being aggressive. Right. Yeah. And that takes all the joy out of it. Out of it and yeah. requires me to do something. It's exhausting. It is. So so that's the see that's that's the hypothesis we have to test. Is it really exhausting? Or do they derive energy? Oh, some sort of angry energy. From yeah, it. Uh, does that does, is that churn something they, that that okay. really drives them? And I, we don't know enough about that. So I would want to do some testing. Yeah, I feel like so. So for our listeners that are out there today, for your listeners that are out there mm -hmm. now, um, it would be great. I like how you co-opted them for yourself. That was well, nice. you know, I kind of I, I I see this as a collaborative effort. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think like. We'd love to hear from you, right? I mean, we want to know, but of course we won't because you're all super passive aggressive. But right, right. But um, and we just accuse them of being passive aggressive, so they're going to yeah. be totally passive aggressive and not respond. Yeah. So I think the key to this idea is more around the the marketing and the outreach to people that are, you know, already passive aggressive. Yeah. So some you see what I like about this is you're the first person to come on this segment and say, well, we maybe we need to test this a little bit more. And yeah. see if there's some potential there. Well, I'm a professor, dude. Yeah, I mean, okay. you know, yeah that's, no, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. You work. Let's go on to. So that was that one. I, I like it. I like doing the test marketing. I like figuring, not test marketing, but testing to see if it really does require energy. Mm -hmm. I know to me it does feel like it's exhausting, but this is one of the important things about being entrepreneurial and trying new things is not to assume that just because you're going to want it, that everyone else is. That's actually key, right? Because a lot of times our some of our best ideas come from problems that we're trying to solve, right? Yep. That for ourselves, right? And that can be great. That that next question is exactly what you're saying is right. Okay, but are other people like me? And if they are, who who are those people? What yeah. are they like? Where do I find them? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm I, I know as much as my mom tells me I'm a unique snowflake and yeah. you know, all of those things. I think you are. Yeah. Uh, okay. So maybe I am. Maybe yeah. I am, but maybe that means I'm the only one. Yeah. All right. So you work with a lot of small to medium sized businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, how many of them understand or the people that you work with fully understand what a brand is or what branding is? Well, um, I think it's an area where people struggle. Yeah. 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 And I do, too. So sometimes I'm just thinking of a logo. Sometimes I'm just thinking of a tagline. Sometimes I'm just thinking of those things. So where what I'd like to do to really help illustrate what a brand is are uh, brand knuckles. So you may have seen these uh, before on my Instagram. Oh, yeah. Is really just taking your logo and printing them across on rings that you can wear and really show people what your brand is about. Because I think there's there's a couple of things there. One is it forces you to define your brand because you're going to be wearing these. Sure. All the time. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to understand your brand better than anybody because people are going to ask about it. And it's also fairly intimidating which I think more small and medium-sized businesses need. Yeah, need to be a little more intimidating. intimidating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that sort of factor. Yeah. So I wanted to think about it. So it's almost like, um, you know, signage or a uh, uh, almost like a billboard on your fists for your brand. Yeah. So I wanted to see what you thought about that. That was another rejected bad business idea, hmm. which obviously I'm a big fan of that one. I don't want to try to force anything down your throat. But I really like that one from uh, uh, an understanding the brand, a yeah. brand understanding. 
if you will. Huh. Okay. Branding. So, you know, so, so the, the, well, I I mean, I've seen them. They're, they're beautiful. I mean, they look super cool, right? Um, and you see this as solving the problem from the wearer being the owner's point of view of like, how do I communicate my brand message? Absolutely. Like, I really do feel like you have to, you have to understand your brand to do that elevator pitch, to do, to translate it into whatever sort of um, medium that you're going to need to translate it into having these reminders on your fists all the time. And I'm talking 24 seven, like we'll, we'll make them so that you cannot take them off. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, you're a danger to yourself and others. Like sleeping is going to be a problem. You may have to wear mittens. Right. So these are, so we would, we would normally characterize that as like certain barriers, you know, maybe a, a barrier that your customer now has to overcome. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so I would want to think through the different use cases for the brand knuckles, right? And this, um, you know, the potential desire, like what what unmet need is being served by wearing these around the clock? Because that seems to be how you see it is like a, a crucial component of this value proposition. Yeah. yeah so, so so I'm sitting there, right? And I'm 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 just regular person now, regular business owner person, okay. right? Yeah. I. Uh, I'm a little, I mean, I know my brand, my business is important and, I, and I'm struggling be, to communicate that more with customers. Mm-hmm. I have different choices, right? I can, I can say, well, maybe if I make, uh, you know, some of those golf shirts and stuff with my, I can put my logo on there your logo, yeah. and that would get more people to be interested. And then I'd have to get better at talking about it and doing mm-hmm. my elevator pitch. I could, um, you know, uh, I could get new business cards made. Yeah, I could do, do some networking thing, right. and events um, and things like that. And now you're introducing a new choice, which is I could get brand knuckles. Sure. Right. And so my question is, is like, is the compelling value of wearing those brand knuckles all the time powerful enough to get me to switch from those other three choices? Yes. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm well, hoping I mean, it is. Clearly, yeah. fr- from your point of view, it definitely is right yeah yeah so i'm not saying because it would be absurd to think that there are not plenty and by plenty i mean like you know more than one other several people yes like at least another person that might at some level think about possibly for a, a tiny bit, like wearing brand knuckles. Okay. Okay. Great. It'd be absurd to think that there isn't like that. It maybe, does maybe sound absurd when person. you put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so chances are that I, I feel strongly that there's, you know, somewhere in a, like a two or 3% chance. There's probably at least one other person, right. That might at some point be listening to this and be like brand knuckles. Like I, I need, I want to do that. What I'm hearing is. Again, sort of the test uh, marketing or the testing of the product. Yeah. But I think what I'm hearing from you is let's actually put them on people. Let's manufacture them for a few companies, put them on people without their, uh, let's call it consent. That might be a good yeah. word. Yeah. And see how it goes. Yeah, that's that's um, that's one approach. Like Almost you could definitely like, uh, do that. Like when you, you, you know, you're tagging animals to track them. Like, there's not enough of this in the the marketing world, right? Like, when they tag animals to track them, what they're looking for is where do you go? What do you do? Sure. So all of the stuff that we do is kind of under the radar in terms of marketing. So we'll track your IP and we'll see what websites you're visiting and we'll yeah. 
track your purchases. And I'm not we. I mean the royal we. Yeah, no, like I, get, big I, brother. I get it. Yeah, bi- the big we. The big we. Yeah. Uh, but what I like about this is we're going back to sort of that, you know, that basic, more basic instinct, not the movie, but unfortunately, uh, yeah, yeah. So we shoot them. Yeah. We tag them with the brand knuckles. You mean like with a dart, like some oh, kind yeah, of sorry, a, a dart gun, yeah, dart okay. gun. Yeah. Right, I mean, okay. just not a gun. Okay. Uh, and then we, uh, put them on and then we could even put some sort of RFID in there to see how they're using it. Or Refit, they, yeah. Yeah. So, so look, I, again, um, this is a very entrepreneurial approach, right? Yeah. It, and yeah. and just, you know, the desire to get this out there. And, and I like the idea of testing. I always support that. Um, but, you know, something else that you might want to consider that a lot of business owners don't think about, especially aspiring entrepreneurs is really- I feel like none of them just thought about what I just said. Well, it's possible, right? But but it's, it's you know, there's a legal component to that too. Uh, you know, yeah. there's something in there about, it's something with the dart and the- yeah. Um, forcing them to wear it against maybe their will or whatever. Yeah, that, that I, did I feel say like consent somewhere. We might in be there, in a yeah. little bit of a touchy it area. It seems great. Yeah, it seems really. So great. I would work through that, but okay. but see, this is what I love. Yeah, right? what were you gonna? It, it's just generating these ideas. Like, mm-hmm. there's different ways of testing. One way is dart in the neck, jam the knuckles on them, refid, and then track their behavior. Yeah, right. That's that's one way. So you're saying that's the best way? No. <laughs> um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, because like I felt way. like what you like were saying I, is yeah. the number one way. Like you said, one way. Yeah. But it was number one way. Yeah, and and so right now it is because we only have that one way. But I I would challenge you to generate some other ideas and think about the on the perspective. Uh, like if there's a spectrum of pervasiveness. Yeah. Like there's dart in the neck. Yeah. Dart in the neck, right? Yeah. Uh, which is sort of the one end. Yeah. And then the other end is like fire under the windshield wiper. Yeah. 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 So maybe maybe somewhere in the spectrum. Okay. Spectrum of pervasiveness. You need to trademark that. That could be like your whole business approach. It kind of is. Yeah, okay, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. It's uh, actually, I, that would be a good name for, for my next album. Yes. I think you spectrum should. Spectrum of pervasiveness. Spoken word business coaching album. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, now we're pioneering a bad business genre. <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Uh, social media. Okay, so this uh, is idea dagger. Number three. Oh, is, diff- it, is, is it the worst thing? Is, is it the worst thing. thing ever? Yeah. Yeah. So next question: If you're applying for a job, if you're applying to college, uh, everything that you've ever put up could potentially ruin your life. Sure. Right. Yeah. In terms of social media. Uh, so one thing I was thinking about, and this came up for college application, this was also a uh, rejected bad business idea. Uh, they had some kids who were accepted to Harvard. Uh, a lot of kids were accepted to Harvard, as they do every year. And they had a closed Facebook group. Within the closed Facebook group, these 10 students kind of splintered off. And were trying to make each other laugh with the worst things you could possibly say, whether mm-hmm. that was about... Uh, an ethnic group, whether that was about, uh, you know, a certain gender or any of these things. What could go wrong? They thought it was funny. Yeah. Uh, everyone found out. The administrators found out. They were no longer accepted to Harvard. Mm. So that's something that will probably stick with you for a long time. It might, yeah. And, you know, I've probably said things on Facebook that could be taken the wrong way or Twitter. Like, I'm joking on Twitter about bad business ideas. I don't want someone to actually think or on the show that I would shoot somebody in the neck with a dart. Sure. If it didn't provide me significant profit or knowledge. Yeah. Uh, But 
so what I wanted to do was a new company called Smokescreen. And so the idea there is really a filter of your content, uh, whether it's LinkedIn or it is Facebook or something else. But not only a filter to take out the bad things, it actually takes a look at the person who's looking at your stuff and filters it accordingly. So let's say you're the hiring manager for me. I'm applying for a job and you fancy cats. You're a cat fancier, if mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have anything about cats on my uh, my Facebook, let's say. I don't mm -hmm. have any cat videos. Mm -hmm. I'm not for cats. I'm not against cats, but I'm indifferent. It would actually, the smoke screen would actually put cat videos in there uh. to make it seem like I'm more of a cat person to match the things that you look for or that you like or that you enjoy uh, in your world. Huh. So basically... It is putting that persona on me that'll be most effective in communicating with you. Yeah. Does that make sense? I feel like this is um, sort of like the Russian hacking like uh, no, no, campaign. No, no, like no. it seems super similar to no, that idea no. it's a of like showing people different. things that they want to see. No, no, 100% like different. That. No, because it's just for a job. Oh, like, okay. I'm well, for yeah. a job. okay, I get it. It's yeah, totally no one, different. No one has ever used that in terms of gaining a job, like being uh, elected to a job, right? Like right. that uh, that I, wasn't the application. I kind I don't know. I feel like I feel like maybe there was part like was sort of like that. I'm not sure. I'm Canadian, so I'm not sure how things are done here in America, okay. but uh it's possible. So, but are you saying it worked? Um I, I'm saying that there's uh, other examples, okay. I think, of this notion. Oh, yeah. so, okay. So it has been done. So there's potentially some case studies that it has worked in the past. Yes. Okay, but I think there's actually quite a large case study going on right now. Really? About okay, it good. to measure its effectiveness. So yeah, what yeah. do you think about that in uh, in general? Now, the, the issue for me would be, of course, you are putting yourself out there under false pretenses. So maybe I hate cats. And Smokescreen has put me out there as someone who does like cats. And then now I'm talking to you as the hiring manager. Maybe we're doing an interview and you're talking about your cats. Yeah. that's That could be a problem if well, I'm sure. not qualified for the job. Yeah. Right. Yeah, or if you haven't Or done... I'm not qualified as a cat fancier. So would Smokescreen have, like, settings so that it briefs you on, like, hey... Uh, Here's what I we showed them cats, right? I think it would have to. We showed we, we said that you love country music, so it's a subscription we, based model. Here are some of the things you should probably look up before before you're the meeting. interview. Yeah, so you can like fully apply the smoke screen in person. Yeah. Oh, smoke screen in person. Yeah, and then if things start to go wrong, we'll give them one of those ninja smoke bombs too, so you can just throw that down and and disappear. You know, again, it's kind of a spectrum is how I, of pervasiveness, you know, and smoke bomb is like too far, might be too far. It feels too far. I just threw that out there. I was just spitballing. Sure. Yeah. And I think, again, I think that's really the lesson here is, is you want to work through different, um, spitballs, spitballs of your idea to yeah. see which ones, you know, have the biggest impact. Okay. So I'm feeling not a lot of love for smoke screen. You know, I just... I, I can see some potential challenges with it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so out of those three, I'm just curious, uh, would you pick one or do you feel like one is worth 
running with or and just to remind you there was track and ruin mm -hmm. so the passive aggressive app mm -hmm. is it is pretty aggressive it mm -hmm. also is very passive uh the brand knuckles mm -hmm. and then smoke screen mm. so anything there let me ask you this about smoke screen what if it wasn't so patently lying ish what if, for example, it just looked at the potential job opportunity and instead of uh, posting false things, mm -hmm. it just brought the stuff up that is more relatable up to the top. So if you're looking at a resume and you're applying for a job in the radio industry mm -hmm. and your radio Wait, experience might are have there been, jobs in the radio industry? There are not. So that's why I was saying this. I'm oh, using okay. This hypothetical. A, yeah, okay, completely yeah. hypothetical because okay. there's no jobs there. It's or all industry. It's all robots now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all robots and Taylor Swift now. Mm -hmm. uh, but it moves your uh, your radio experience up mm -hmm. when that person logs in from a particular IP that might be a radio industry related IP. Mm-hmm. Is that a little less? It's a little, intrusive? yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel like that is, yeah. Okay. It's um, it's also super less interesting to talk about. Right, right. Uh, but I could see where that would be useful, like th something that, uh, that brought out the best aspects of your already true profile and yeah. desires, and You're sort right. of highlighted this is those. Super boring. What were we talking about? Yeah, I can't, that's okay. Let's go back. I don't. Uh, so smoke screen, um, brand knuckles. Track and ruin. And is your question, which one of these do I think is the worst or the, which is the best bad business idea? Yeah, the best of the bad. Let's go with which one would you choose out of those? These were all losing propositions and yeah. past shows. Yeah. And so if you had your druthers and you had some, you had a checkbook. I see you have a checkbook right there. I do. Yeah. And which one would you write a check for as sort of the first venture capital investment in one of these ideas? Hmm. Well, if I was going to um, write a check for one of these ideas, I think I think I got to go with track and ruin. Yeah, and um, and I think what I would do is um, I would write you a check. Mm -hmm. um, I like it. I like everything about this so far. Yep, and, I feel like there's um, a butt coming. No, there's no butt. Oh, okay, great. it would just be like a regular check. Um, for some amount of money mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that was really small. And then I, I would suggest that you took that money and, and um, you know, immediately gave it away to some kind of charity that you really care about. Okay. And uh, and then get out there and, you know, see what you can learn about the passive-aggressive and see, find out what their habits are. You mean, are. like, go on my own journey to determine what it is about me that makes me passive-aggressive and try to overcome that? Yeah. Or actually study passive-aggressive people and see if there's a market for this product. I think it could be both. Um, it's like a vision quest. Ooh. That's what we don't talk about enough is entrepreneurial, like, efforts that actually help you overcome some sort of issue that you have internally. We really don't, yeah. That's maybe, a whole maybe another uh, segment. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Okay. Uh, so we're going to play a song. This is Golden Smog uh, with Seven Year Ache featuring the late, great Roseanne Cash. We're going to hear that, and then we're going to come back, talk about music. We got a Love pop it. quiz, and then we're going to talk about Business Owners Radio. We have not talked about that enough, and so we'll talk about that because that is your podcast. Yeah. That's why you great. sound so much better than me is because you have your own podcast. There's nothing. You're not. That's it? You're not going to say anything? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you took us out already.
Golden Smog on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was Seven Year Ache featuring the vocal stylings of Roseanne Cash on that one. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. I'm back here as I am every Monday. I have a very special guest every Monday, Shy Galad. Good morning, Shy. Good morning, Nick. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit. We talk a lot about music. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things I asked is, you know, who your favorite band is or what do you listen to to get you going? And I'm curious, too, about how you interact with music at this point. Uh, so, for example, when I'm writing, when I'm in the car, like I need music on just about 24-7 uh, in terms of uh, having something going on in the background, you know, sort of taking up part of my brain. The mm-hmm. lizard part, I like to say, so that I can free up the, the rest or what else is there if there is anything left. Uh, but how do you listen or how do you interact with music at this point? And are you still playing? So, you know, growing up as a musician and trying to become a professional musician at one point. Definitely. Um, and having some success at that. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I think, you know, music is still a huge part of my life. I listen to music all the time, all throughout Mm -hmm. the day, uh, just like you do. And, um, I think the way that I'm, I'm dealing with it now mostly is, um, I use I use Spotify quite a bit, mm-hmm. and uh, because I'm always I'm I'm always listening for new music, and the thing that's kind of interesting to me is that there's you know there's all these different categories and genre, uh, but things have changed and evolved so much. So in thinking about like what is rock and roll, is that even right. a thing anymore? Yeah. Is there is there a kind of music we call that anymore? And how would you define that? And uh, what is classic rock? What is modern rock, you know, and, and all the different hundreds of genres in between. So, um, but I, I do like discovering new music and, uh, and then, um, you know, it tries to, it has a smart algorithm that tries to think about what you might like and recommend some things. Based and, on what you've listened to in the past. Yeah and, and, yeah. And, and everybody that's experienced that knows that there's, there's a lot of imperfections in that, but I think it's a good way to kind of collect and hear new music. So looking at it uh, from a business standpoint, having been in the music industry and now feeling, you know, this is probably one of the first places music wise that was disrupted by the Internet. Oh, yeah. Right. Because the distribution model was out the window. Mm -hmm. Um, There was file sharing was rampant at first, of course, Mm -hmm. um, until they could figure out a model to actually sell files online and they got over that. What do you feel like is the main difference now? Uh, or that uh, that is really happening within the music industry now versus when you were kind of up and coming in it? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's what they talk about and and the internet, this whole idea of the long tail, right? That, mm-hmm. that there's just, it's so flat. There's so much available, so accessible and so easy to get music out there, right? So the upside is, is anyone... Distribution is there. Well, and with GarageBand or not even that, I mean, you can record a song on your phone you playing and singing or however you want to do that upload it to soundcloud create a free account and now you have published music on the internet right available for anyone to listen to so the upside about that is just the accessibility and then it brings a lot of new art to the table and the downside of it is accessibility and that it brings a lot of new art to the table. <laughs> it's so, overwhelming, right, from well, a consumer yeah, you perspective. Know, what, what we've done yeah. is we've gotten rid of the gatekeepers, right? right? And again, that's awesome because it democratizes what's happening and, and it creates all this availability of new new music. But um, but it's harder than ever, I think, in some ways to find it because, it because of that massive size of all that data. 
Do you feel like as a, as an artist, as somebody who wrote his own songs yeah. and uh, who created, uh, and still you do? I still do a little bit, yeah. I was wondering about um, sort of this idea that is it now more overwhelming to go out there and listen to music and then try to create it because there's so much out there and there's so much good stuff out there? Or do you find it, and, and have you found a way maybe throughout your life to take that uh, intimidation and turn that into motivation? It's a great question. Um, I think what the what the internet has done to us, and music is a really great example of that, um, is that it's really challenged our, our thinking around, you know, moving from this place of scarcity to a uh, scarcity rather to abundance. Scarcity was last month with uh, <laughs> Halloween. Yeah I, yeah, I still have a little bit of a, a thing with that, um, <laughs> uh, and I think it was the zombie talk earlier got yeah, me going. I got gotcha. you. But no, uh, you know what. Oh, Music was scarce when I was growing up, and it was even more scarce before I was growing up. It was a, right. You, you know, only had you had very there was a very controlled way of listening to yeah, it, exactly. right? So, so that, that was the great days of radio. You'd wait all day to hear the song. You know, you would you would actually call and request the song that you couldn't wait to hear, and you'd wait all day to get to hear it and hope that you got to hear it. And um, and I think you know the the DJs were big personalities, and they were audiophiles, and they would bring that love and passion into it and try to introduce new songs. The industry, of course, would pay people to, to play certain artists. Um, so there, there are certain upsides and downsides of that kind of marketplace. And, and I think growing up with that, um, there was sort of this idea of like, how do you create really good stuff that, that measures, you know, when the bar is really mm -hmm. high because all the stuff that makes it through those filters that goes through an A&R representative to actually get somebody to invest to record them and then puts it on the radio and then gets it played. To get through all those filters, I mean, I guess you had to be pretty good for, you know, for whoever those deciders were. Uh, they had to decide that it was good or unique or meaningful in some way. Um, and so that set a really high bar. But it, but it was something to aspire towards. Mm -hmm. um, and I think now in order to stay inspired in a marketplace that's completely flipped. Now, like I said, where anybody can put anything out there. So in some ways it's it's much less intimidating because anybody again with a guitar and a and a phone can make a recording and throw it up there. Right. It so up. it's just like why not why not just put it out there, right? Um but the I think that there's also it takes it takes this transition in thinking um that I'm still working on, which is the desire for it to be really good. <laughs> and right. the quality and be yeah. meaningful. And, uh, and, and, you know, and sometimes you feel like you're just throwing that pebble in the ocean. So in a way, would you say it's analogous to, uh, starting a business? So, you know, yeah, the trying to be disrupted. heard. Yeah, it's right. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. Like we, you can stand up a bit, you can start a business now for less, less money than you ever needed. Right. If you have a little bit of time, you can get a business license, create an idea, throw it up there and start working on it, you know, and, and you can have some success. Uh, but the challenge is getting the attention. Right. Yeah. How okay. do you how are you going to reach people? Well, obviously there's a lot of darts involved, but other than that, <laughs> yes. Well, look, Nick, this is actually, you know, uh all joking aside, this is a big deal because this is where most businesses really fail. Mm -hmm. Even even if they even if they get past the first hurdle, which we covered in the bad business idea segment, which is really building something that somebody wants. Mhm. Mm and validating that you have a consumer that'll pay for that, right? And then trying to price it and, and get it to the marketplace in a way that 
fulfills that promise, fixes the problem that they have, and gets you paid, that's one thing. But now you get to this space of where you have to acquire more of those users, right, in order to pay back your investment keep going, and yeah. keep going. And, um, and many businesses die in that space where they've had some early success. They've acquired a few customers, but they don't really have a way of scaling that success and gain and their cost of acquisition to get new customers is, is very expensive. And they're competing in, in a place where everybody's yelling at you all the time to buy their thing. And they're have and, right. and so it takes a huge investment to get there. And, um, and I, I think it's one of the biggest challenges we face. So it's kind of, you know, there, it's kind of this irony where now it's cheaper than ever to start, but maybe it's, in some ways, maybe it's more expensive than ever to finish. I love it on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was Bears from the album Step Inside This House. That was a really good double album of his. He did a, a bunch of songwriters from Texas. He did covers. The whole album was Yeah, covered. it's a beautiful so, album. Well, and I like that because you're introduced to a lot of new artists that you wouldn't have necessarily listened to yeah. on your own, especially on the country, because everyone considers him country music. I don't necessarily uh, but, uh, yeah. he's, he's such a brilliant writer, you yeah. know, he's just a yeah. genius writer and, um, and I crossed a lot of different genres. Good morning. My name is Nick. Obviously this is love it talk here on WPRK <laughs> Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree, actually. Uh, my guest, my very special guest, Shy Galat. We are almost done Shy. Mm -hmm. So we have one more thing to do. We've got a little pop quiz cause this is a very, uh, big anniversary for movie. I golden eye. 22 years ago today, the movie GoldenEye came out. It was the 17th movie in the Bond franchise. The first for Pierce Brosnan and Judi Dench. Man. And it was the first one set in sort of the post-Cold War era. Uh, so this world that James Bond had known was always him against, you know, these supervillains and sort of uh, always the, the Russians out there. Uh, it was a little bit different, although this was still against the Russians. Now, Pierce and uh, Brosnan and Judi Dench, big fans so I wanted to make sure that I got the facts right on this. Okay. They listen to the show all the time. And by getting the facts right, I mean I just looked at the Wikipedia page. Sure, yeah. So let's start with an easy question. Uh, which one, Golden Eye or Goldfinger? Goldfinger. Okay, very good. Pierce Brosnan was originally tapped to replace Roger Moore in 1986, but he was stuck in the Remington Steel oh my God, these contract. Are like, these are like two of the worst bonds, by the way. Pierce Brosnan and Timothy Dalton? Ooh, I forgot about Timothy Dalton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Roger, or did you mean Roger Moore? Well, Roger Moore. Roger Moore was... Yeah, uh, right. Okay. So, okay, so <laughs> when Timothy Dalton passed on the third of his three contracted movies, they did get Pierce Brosnan finally, but not before several other people passed on it. So who would have been worse than Pierce Brosnan or the worst? Was it A, Mel Gibson, who passed on Bond, mm. B, Hugh Grant, or C, Liam Neeson? <laughs> well, those are all horrible choices. Um, Although Liam Neeson, I think, would have been, now that we know that he's an action star from doing Taken and movies like that, I think he would have been okay. He actually probably would have been better than yeah. Pierce. Yeah. I would like to, I'd actually like to see him as Bond. Okay, we can make that happen. Yeah. I feel like everybody's listening, so 
I, I think I think but who is the Hugh worst? Grant seems like the worst, right? Yeah, I think a little too rom com to do Bond. Yeah. I wouldn't have bought him as More an action agreed. star. Yeah. And it was before Gibson really kind of uh, had his issues. Uh, music is a big part of the Bond franchise. So you've got the iconic score. You've got the song. Um, you've got everything about it. And then each movie has its own song. Mm -hmm. So the song Goldeneye mm -hmm. was written by Bono and Edge and performed by Tina Turner. And then you had uh, Ace of Bass, which was a thing back then, uh, also in the running to produce a song. Because so that was the thing. That, like Different artists would try to get their song in there. So in the 2015 movie Spectre, the most recent Bond film, what band submitted two songs and was rejected twice for uh, doing the theme? Was it A, Coldplay, B, Radiohead, or C, Bruno Mars? Hmm. I hope it was Coldplay. Uh, it was Radiohead. Bummer. Yeah, so they yeah. got rejected twice. They had a song I feel that, like they, you set me up. that they wrote in the 90s. Of course they did. Yeah. Uh, and they they it was this unreleased song, and they were like, this is an homage to Bond movies. We always loved them. They couldn't use it because it was already written. They needed something original. Uh, so basically they stopped production of A Moonshaped Pool and just so they could record this song, and they decided it was too dark. It's yeah, shock. It's radio yeah, super big head. shock. Yeah. So they ended because you know Moonshade Pool is such a you know lively yeah. level of mm -hmm. uh, of uh, energy. Yeah. And so they ended up releasing the song for free on Christmas Day a couple years ago. So it was great. Uh, Goldeneye, the movie begat Goldeneye 007, the video game for mm -hmm. the Nintendo GameCube, uh, one of the most successful movie tie-in games of all time, and possibly the best. What's often called the best um, first-person shooter for a long time. Uh, it was, why did I love that game so much? Was it A, because it was 1997 and it was a welcome distraction from college in a time before reliable internet? Was it B, the multiplayer death matches allowed me to express my frustrations with friends without actually having to confront them? Mm. Or C, it was just an awesome first-person shooter? I'm going to go B. Yeah, that's correct. I yeah. didn't want to confront people, so I just shot them in a video game. Yeah, I remember those times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and last question. As I mentioned, Judy Dench uh, was in the film. She actually was played M, uh, the head of MI6 in Goldeneye, and she did that for six more movies. Yeah. So she went from Pierce Brosnan to uh, Daniel Craig. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they she featured in several video games. They flesh out her character a bit, but it's Judy Dench, so she really didn't get enough screen time in any of those movies. Which M-related movie are you most likely to watch, or how could we have better used her in some of these movies? So uh, could we just go back and CGI Judy Dench into earlier Bond movies so she's the hero? Like literally not young Judy Dench, just Judy Dench, just running around with guns and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Was there a young Judy Dench? No, there was never a young Judy Dench. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, B, would it be M and Money Penny teaming up on the side to take down Weinstein level villains and destroying the glass ceiling in the espionage world? Mm. Or C, young M in a romantic comedy where she can't let people know she's a spy. So she's like kind of shooting people on the side, but then uh, everyone thinks she's just a. I don't what, know. What was the first one again? Uh, CGI Judy Dench into earlier Bond movies. Yeah, that would be the best way. Yeah, okay. I think. I yeah. think that that is correct. I'm going to give you a little score here. All right. You did very well. Thank you Thank for you. that. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, Shai, how can we find out more about you? Where can we go listen to your show and uh, get to little know, know a little bit more about what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of different things. I think that if, um, if you wanted to try, I just have a page that's my name. So it's Shai, S-H-Y-E, Gilad, G-I-L-A-D.com. Mm-hmm. And that has links to, like, the different things that I do. Um, for people that are interested in learning more about that. Uh, and um, our show is Business Owners Radio, businessownersradio.com. You can find it on iTunes. Um, we call it the show that helps your business grow. And so for anyone that's interested in small business or if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, we have great guests on there, uh, authors, other thought leaders in the, that space, um, providing all kinds of ideas about business strategy and different topics on finance, marketing, and tools that you can use to help grow your business. Well, what I like about it too is I've applied some of that stuff to what I do here on, you know, a radio station or at work or something like that. So you don't have to necessarily be a business owner. Oh yeah, I mean, I hope so. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Our goal is that that from each episode that you can, there's actually something you can now do Mm -hmm. because of of what you've heard or learned about. There? Yeah. And uh, then you're going back to Virginia. So you're the second out-of-town guest that I've had on. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate People it. People travel from all over. Like, to come here. To come here oh, just I, to be on the show. I get it. And yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, it's it's always a pleasure to come down and see you, man. And <laughs> it's a great show. And look forward to uh, more collaboration in the future. Excellent. Yes. And we'll announce that shortly. It's called Track and Ruin. It's an app. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. And I'm going to play a song and then we're going to turn it over to Best Hour with some marketing news. You've been listening to A Certain Degree on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. Enjoy whatever period of time you want to enjoy, whether it's this morning or the rest of the week. I'm working on my outros. That's yeah. not a very good one. All right. Thanks. Take care. <laughs> And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. To learn more about Shy and all the irons he has in all the fires, visit businessownersradio.com or shygalad.com. That's S-H-Y-E-G-I-L-A-D. Shy can help you make a business more successful. Nick can help you make a business more interesting to the authorities and code enforcement officials. For more on that, visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. Thank you.